1: It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings nearly 40 years of experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors.
2: We are gathered here on hallowed ground. His heads bowed down, we'll gather here on hallowed ground.
3: Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If this is the first time you heard the show, hey, welcome aboard. If you've heard the show in the past, you know basically what our routine is. First part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, that's avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we talk about a variety of subjects, and we'll talk a little bit later about what we are doing today. But with this, as you know, we usually start with one of our attorneys, and today we have Gladys. And Gladys, how do you say your last name?
4: Zakarova.
3: Zakharova. So where does that come from?
4: Well, my parents were um, born in Belarus. I was born here in America. I speak both Russian and English.
3: Okay. And where'd you go to law school?
4: Uh, Cardozo in Manhattan. And where do you live? I live in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn.
3: Okay, so well now you had a couple of questions that you know came through the mill, so to speak. So you wanna ask one of the first questions?
4: Yeah, so let's start with this one. I have real property in New York and Florida. Florida has no estate taxes, but New York does. Does my property in Florida count towards the value of my estate in New York?
3: Well assume, assuming the it's real estate because, you know, property could also be bank accounts, things like that. But assuming it's real estate, no, New York does not tax land or real estate that's in another state. Now, sometimes it can be very touchy because if you own a cooperative apartment, and there are not a lot of co-ops in Florida, but there are some. Uh, if it's a co-op, then it shares a stock, and then it could be taxed to your residents. So it's a little little touchy on that. And You're bringing up one point. This is why a lot of people, let's say somebody with a little bit of assets, let's say they have a $7 million estate and they're single because there's no tax between husband and wife if they're both U.S. citizens. So let's say you have a single person. They die with a $7 million estate in New York. New York's going to charge them $700,000 or charge their children $700,000 in estate taxes. If you're in Florida, there's no estate tax at all, which just means we go into the federal amount, which is almost $13 million today. So in other words, die with a $7 million estate in New York, children pay $700,000 in taxes. Die with a $7 million estate in Florida, children pay nothing in taxes, which is why some people now are moving to Florida. Now, people ask me all the time, well, okay, I have a house in Florida, so I'll just... I'll vote there and I'll file my taxes from there and that should be it. No, if you're going to say you're a Florida resident, you have to live there more than half the year in Florida and don't fake it because if you audit it, they know where you live. There's, you know, they know where your cell phone is. You say, well, my cell phone is registered in in Florida. No, they know where the pings come from. They know geographically where the phone is. They know where you charge your credit cards from. Uh, There's so many things they can check. They can check, let's say, you say you're in Florida and the, the average temperature that month was 90 degrees and you have an electric bill of 20 bucks. Well, they know you didn't have the air conditioner on. And then at the same time, your house in New York was vacant in December, but you got a heating bill of you know $500 a month or whatever. They know where you live. Now, you can dance around any one thing. They probably got your picture. If you live between the Verrazano Bridge and... Flatbush Avenue, when you drive on the Bell Parkway, they got your picture 10 times if they really want to get you. So if you say you live in Florida, don't just say you live in Florida. Live in Florida for more than half the year. What's the next question we have?
4: The next question is, I'm a remainder beneficiary of a house that is in trust. However, my aunt has a life estate on the property. Can I force a sale or do anything to expedite my inheritance?
3: That is a pretty cold question. I don't want to know who sent that. Uh, what do you want to do? Kill your aunt and expedite <laughs> your inheritance? Um, I, that's, that's a cold question. It's got to be a warped mind that came up with that. Now, one of the times it could be, one of the times it could be a legitimate question. Let's say the aunt doesn't have the money to keep the house up. And... Uh, does, is not paying the real estate tax, is not paying the insurance, and the house is in danger. Well, in that case, you can bring a, an action proceeding to terminate the life estate because the life estate assumes or presumes, I guess, that the life tenant is able to keep the house in reasonably reasonable shape, not great shape, reasonable shape, pay the real estate taxes, pay the insurance, do the upkeep on the house. And if you can't, well, then the remainder beneficiaries could lose their inheritance of course, I think normally what you would want to do is help your aunt out and pay her bills and help her pay her bills if she can't and help her get through, you know, the hard times or whatever. But, you know, life estate ordinarily means you have exclusive use of the property while you're alive. Then after you're gone, it goes to the heirs, you know, who, who's ever in the trust or the deed, however it's written. And and that brings another part. You know, sometimes people say, what. Why do you recommend a trust so much and not just do a life estate? Because they both avoid probate and they both protect the uh, house from medical bills, nursing home bills. Well, the problem is if you do just a life estate. Let's say you do a life estate mother to daughter. And everything's fine if mom you know, dies before daughter. But if daughter dies before mom, Mom can't change a life estate. She can't change a life estate deed. So if something happens to daughter, daughter's married. Mom's in partnership with her son-in-law. And she may or may not be crazy about that. Again, daughter gets sued. Daughter has a judgment against her. That judgment goes against the house. Mom can't sell the house if there's that judgment there, unless the judgment is paid off. Daughter gets in trouble with the IRS. Is an IRS lien against the daughter's assets. You have a life estate, mom, then to daughter. The IRS is a lien on that house. And if you want to sell the house, assuming daughter doesn't live in the house, you may have to pay capital gains taxes because the share of the life estate, there are tables and valuations on the life estate. But the, uh, the life estate has value and the remainder interest has value. And if the daughter doesn't live in the house... The remainder interest could be subject, would be subject to capital gains taxes. So, assuming it's not the personal residence of the, of the daughter. Now, if it is, and the daughter's single, and we don't have complications from spouses and things like that, I might go along with the life estate because then putting the daughter on the deed, if they want to sell the house while they're alive, might give them another two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in a capital gains tax exclusion. If you live and own in a house that you sell and you have an ownership interest, which would be the remainder interest on a life estate, if you live in the house property, and it could be a condo, very few co-ops are going to allow a life estate by themselves. Then if you sell it, mom would get $250,000 tax-free, daughter would get $250,000 tax-free. And I know that's contrary to what I just said, but sometimes is not a right answer until you sit down and talk over all the alternatives and try to come up with the best plan for you and your family. And if you want to do that, that's what we do at Connors & Sullivan. You can give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Call for an appointment. If you want to speak to me, you can speak with me. You may have to wait a couple of weeks to get that appointment. But everybody's welcome to give a call. We'll meet with you. Get your financial family information what your goals are, and then we'll try to work out a plan, you know, to meet your goals. So give us a call if you want at Cotters and Sullivan at 718 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. You'll listen to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors.
2: How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of grandpa?
3: I'm
4: Beth Connors. Call
1: today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500
2: or connorsandsullivan.com. If you're a homeowner 862 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888-954-7463, and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591, Contour Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 34384, 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York, 11530, Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department of Financial Services.
3: Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. We're talking to Gladys here about estate planning. And Gladys, you have one more question that's popping up.
4: Yes. So the question is, does an irrevocable trust protect against lawsuits specifically? And how long does it take to fully protect?
3: Well, that's one of the reasons some people use irrevocable trust to protect those assets from lawsuits. Uh, I'll give you an example, you know, that happened. Let's say you have a a ninety-year-old man, and he's—he shouldn't be driving. But the kids tried to take the keys away from him. and Then he bought a new car and things like that. And you can't cannot just stop him from driving. He shouldn't be. God forbid, he's in a car accident. Let's say his house is in an irrevocable trust. Assuming he put his house in the trust before the accident, that house is protected from that lawsuit of the victim of this guy's driving. Now it's not a situation you want to talk about, but it's one of those things that happens. If, assuming there's not a lawsuit already started or cause of action already been in place, if you put your assets in an irrevocable trust today, tomorrow those assets are protected from potential lawsuits. Now, nursing home bills, as far as a nursing home bill, if you apply for nursing home Medicaid, you have to document all your transactions for five years prior to your application for benefits. So it's what we call a five-year look-back period. So unless you have one of the exemptions to the five-year look-back period, like you have a disabled child, you have a child living in the house, you have a spouse, brother or sister living in the house, unless you have one of those exemptions, that would be subject to a five-year look-back period and a penalty, um, which means you couldn't apply for Medicaid medical assistance to pay your nursing home bill uh, if you transferred your house to an irrevocable trust. So on that, there's a five-year look-back period. Home care right now in New York, there's no look-back period, although in theory, on April 1st, there's going to be a 30-month look-back period to apply for benefits for home care Medicaid. And the reason I say in theory that CAN has been kicked down the road more than a few times, and who knows, maybe they're going to decide to kick that further back you know, into the future from that. But we'll see. Right now, it's scheduled to change. as April 1st, which is also very important. If you have an elderly relative or a disabled relative who needs home care benefits now, If you put all your assets in a trust this month, let's say the the month of September, on October 1st, the first day of the month following the transfer, you can apply for Home Care Medicaid. Home Care Medicaid pays for home equipment, supplies, home attendance to keep your relative out of a nursing home. There's some very good programs in New York for Home Care Medicaid. There are programs where you can hire your own home attendants, including family members. And if you want to explore that, it's not a bad idea. But here's the thing. The law is scheduled to change April 1st, roughly six months from now. Get your your planning done now. If you want to apply for home care Medicaid, get your application in now. And then you can get your loved one on home care Medicaid benefits before the look back period kicks in next year in April. Getting back to Michael, where do we send these questions or where where do people email these questions?
5: If you have a question for the show, you're going to want to shoot that over to Ask Mike Connors. Connors spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com.
3: Okay. Now, one one of the people in our office, one of the clients who just walked in, we're talking and they saw some of our displays on the Civil War. Where do you access that on YouTube?
5: If you, want to, if you want to see a video that was put together on our Toy Soldier collections here, just search Michael Connors' Toy Soldiers at YouTube.com. It'll give you a video the ultimate Toy Soldier collection. And uh, how many views are we sitting at on that now?
3: Uh, when I checked the, the other day, it was 295,000.
5: So, yeah, just give it a look there. And, of course, if you want to come into our office, somebody will be more than happy to show you around the collections and let you take a look at the
3: stuff we have on display. And of course, some of the other people are going to be very nasty about it. and
5: Nobody's going to be nasty look, to you then about you
3: report, it. But then you report them to me, and they will be dealt with summarily. Uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Right. <laughs> now, where, where do they uh, – you know, talking about business, if – somebody missed our last set of seminars and the next set of seminars is going to be in October and we're finalizing the dates. It's going to be the week of October 16th around the city. But if somebody can't wait till October 16th and they want to access our seminar, where do they do that? Once again, you go to youtube.com, you get to
5: that search bar and you search Connors and Sullivan video seminar. That's Connors and Sullivan video seminar. You should see that right there with a nice long video right at the beginning.
3: Right. And you know, but the, Usually, I think the best thing, if you can wait until the we do the live seminars in October, because then you can ask your question right there and then. I mean, most people ask, what's the best way to deal with their house? And I mean, the short answer is a trust agreement. There are exceptions to every rule. But we want, we want to get the house out tax-free. We don't want your children to pay taxes. Do you want the government to get part of your estate? No. They're going to waste your estate. I don't care. If you got a spendthrift son and you want to leave all the assets to him, it's better he spends it. At least he creates jobs for other people. You know, anything is better than the government. You know, and even if, if you don't have any relatives, pick a charity. There are a lot of good charities out there, a lot of great charities out there, and we deal with them all the time. And they do great work. So, and, and if, let's say you're, you have an interest in a particular. Uh, charity, whatever type of charitable, let's say cancer research or something like that. You know, again, we have lists of charities that we dealt with that we think are good people. And maybe work out a plan to get those assets after you're gone to the charities. If you don't have children, if you don't have nephews and nieces you want to give it to. Again, there's no one right answer for everybody. But if if you want to talk uh, about a charitable plan, where you get assets to some charities that hopefully can do many good things with your assets as opposed to New York State or the federal government. Come in, talk it over, and give us a call at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. We're going to take a sh- another short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. You'll listen to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors.
4: I'm in a good place in my life.
0: And I'm energized by new adventures. I've got friends to laugh
6: with.
4: And a good relationship.
6: But even though I'm kind of comfortable,
4: I sometimes wonder, is there something more?
6: Could God in
1: church be what you're looking for? Come and see at catholicscomehome.com.
3: Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Gladys Steele here. She's sticking around. And Michael, our friend Curtis Lee, I guess, was in the news. That's what you said.
5: Well, yeah. Um, Curtis, it seems, got himself arrested. He was protesting outside of a mental institution that has now been converted. This was over in Queens. That's been converted, like so many other things, into a housing facility for migrants. Uh, what's the name of that? It was a Creedmoor. Mental- Creedmore. There we go.
3: Yeah now Gladys, you I think you heard Curtis lewood speak for the first time in person the other day, didn't you?
4: Yes, it was at uh, Ari Kagan's fundraiser the other week at gar Julio's um I did hear him speak. He's a great speaker um very cap- captivating <laughs> That's the best way to describe him.
3: No, he is probably one of the most dynamic speakers on the and you forget that some you forget that sometimes because. You know, you're used to listening to him on the radio and he kind of makes fun of himself and everything else. But he is really a very good speaker on the stump. You know, I'm surprised he hasn't done better in some of his elections. But I guess intellectual debate is not what gets people elected in New York City. But, you know, Curtis, again, he's doing a lot of good work in different areas. Um You know, trying to mobilize the community, trying to get people activated. And I know one of the scary things he said for us is that they're talking about putting migrants on Shore Road Park. And, you know, that's where people play ball. I mean, I hate to say they play soccer because, you know, Americans shouldn't play soccer, but that's (laughs) my own opinion. (laughs)
5: But, you know, it's Sunset already, one of their community centers. You know, at this point, every community center in the city is going to be taken over by stuff like that. And frankly, what's the point of paying taxes at this point? Right.
4: Um, Even at Ari Kagan's fundraiser, he spoke about how when he came here from Minsk, um, just the process of, you know, getting his citizenship was much harder than it is now just some of the tests that he had to go through, just such even medical exams. um, They don't even implement the same ones that they used to.
3: Well, again, when they they were talking about that, and there were other politicians uh, who came from the former Soviet Union, and these interviews and everything, not even for citizenship, this was to get a green card to come into the United States. And the two politicians, Alec Burkrosny, who's the assemblyman and Ari Kagan, who's city councilman, both explained how long it took them to go through the process. And now they're people who in effect just jumping the line and getting all these benefits. And I think they're talking about it's $140,000 a year worth of benefits that these people receive. And nobody seems to be doing anything about it. New York city taxpayers paying the bill. Now, Curtis clearly said that Justin Brannan is complicit in putting the migrants in Shore Road Park. I don't know about that, but we'll we'll see what happens. But he says nothing happens with the mayor's office unless the city councilman, you know, is complicit in it. But I it is important. Well, this is
5: the official line from the mayor. And, I mean, who knows if, you know, who knows what's going on exactly in terms of who in the city council is pulling what favors in order to get things either – not in their district or what have you, but the fact of the matter is, the the line from the mayor's office across the board right now is um, everything's on the table. So just because it isn't technically here one week or isn't take tech- look, the city. It's not like there are borders between neighborhoods in the city. So this is uh, this is once once you open the floodgates like this, the problem is a citywide one. It's a nationwide one, as a matter of fact. And the you know everything going on here imagine what it's like for people directly on the border states. We're only witnessing this now because of the fact that some of those governors started shuttling people up.
3: Now, Gladys, Eric Kagan, he's from what part of the former Soviet Union?
4: He's from Minsk. That's in Belarus.
3: And how do you know that?
4: Well, he's very, um, you know, very prideful of the fact that he's from Belarus as he should be. Uh, My parents are also from Minsk. Um, And, It's very nice to see that he has a lot of supporters in the neighborhood, uh, Southern Brooklyn, 47th District. And he's very proud of that. So we support it. Okay.
3: Now, do you speak Russian? Yes. How would you learn how to speak Russian then?
4: Well, my parents speak Russian. They were from, like I mentioned prior to, they came from Belarus. um, And I I speak Russian at home still with them. Um, And I obviously implement it in my work every day when we have Russian-speaking clients.
3: All right. Well, I think we're going to take a short break, Michael. Uh, You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors.
5: All right. Thanks so much for joining
3: us. Bye, everyone.
1: Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike.
3: Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Uh, Obviously, this is an election year, and we've had a few candidates have been running for city council in Brooklyn. Now we're going to shift to Queens, and welcome back to a good friend of the show, Marvin Jeffcoat. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? Okay, we're doing okay. So let me ask you now, where 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 do you live? Where are you running for city council?
6: I live in Woodside, um, near St. Teresa's, between uh, 50th and Laurel Hill. And um, I'm running in the 26th council district, which encompasses Woodside, Sunnyside, Long Island City,
3: and a little bit of Astoria. Okay, now let me ask you something. Why, you know... Pretty well established in your career. Why are you running for office? Why, 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 why are you, uh, you know, going out on the streets all the time, and when you can stay at home with the kids?
6: It's a, it's a very good question, and I, and my goal is to make things better for my kids. You know, I want to bequeath to them what my parents gave to me, so that they inherit an in America that's strong and robust, constitutionally sound. You know, it's it's ironic that. Um, the young lady I'm running against, and I have nothing against her, she seems to be a nice, although misguided young lady. We left Korea around the same time during my first tour. She, I think she was around eight. And, you know, after having served in Korea, going up to the DMZ and, and, and looking socialism straight in the face and staring it down to preserve her native land, I find it strange that she would try to import the ills of socialism into the United States. So, and yeah, I I don't think she's a bad person once again, but she's very misinformed. And I mean, she says things like, you know, she on the Florida council, she said something to the effect of, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have the choice to abort my baby up until the last day. She said something to that effect. Now, how do you reconcile that with that child when that child has cognition and and understands that, the mother would have uh, killed a child. I mean, you know, th- those are the types of things that the socialists have worked on in our higher learning institutions and now the military. And they've totally brainwashed our youth, whether they be migrant youth, immigrant youth, or uh, native-born. They've totally brainwashed them against their own self-interest. And... In America, and uh, so my goal is to reinvigorate young folks with a sense of pride in America, and let them know that you know the issues that I'm talking about—they're not Republican and Democrat or Democrat. They're um, issues that that mean something to them and that impact their life. So you know, to sum it up, I'm I'm running to preserve the United States for my kids and you know Curtis said don't move improve well one of the things I want to do before I do finally retire from actively working is to improve the city in which I was born in I feel I owe it to the people coming up to leave them what was given to me
3: now you know you mentioned when you were in service where where were you in service and how long were you in the military? I spent 22 years in the Army. I started out in the reserves as a military policeman,
6: um, which I understand you were a military policeman as well. And then I went in the regular Army, um, spent most of my time at Fort Bragg, but I started out in 101st Airborne Division, Air Assault, 3rd Ranger Battalion. I did some time at Benning as a basic airborne instructor and sniper instructor. And I I went to Korea to the Long Range Surveillance Detachment, and then Fort Bragg deployed to Operation Desert Storm, combat operations over in Iraq, um, and then back to Korea to the long-range surveillance detachment as the ops sergeant instead of a team leader, and then back to Bragg as a, a squad leader, platoon sergeant, and jumpmaster instructor. And then finally, I retired at Fort Drum as an observer, controller, trainer, exporting what we call a joint readiness training package to guard and reserve units. So, you know, I, I, I ran the full gamut of, uh, of military career, I have the law enforcement background as, as well as the uh, counterinsurgency um, background. So, you know, I, I know a little something about, one, order maintenance, but number two, how to check this Marxist-Leninist insurrection that's about to move from the low-intensity conflict phase late incipient, into what I think is going to be a high-intensity conflict if we don't check it,
3: because the middle of the country is not going to tolerate it well. Yeah, now, you know, you you talked about abortion, and a number of times previous, Congressman Burgess Owen was on our show when he talked about Margaret Sanger, who was probably, you know, up there with Hitler, and I'm not really exaggerating by much, as one of the worst racists in, in, in our history, but yet she's honored by Planned Parenthood. And I understand they're taking some of her statues and pictures down, but still. You know, the idea was basically that we could control the African-American population by aborting them. And for some reason, that doesn't seem to get across right now. You
6: know, you bring up Margaret Sanger, she is a vile, evil person. And yes, Hitler learned a lot from her. Um, But, you know, she picked up the the Democrat Party mantle. It was formed in 1828 to um, promote slavery. And and once they lost the Civil War and yeah, slavery was going to end because in that form because it was not productive, um, you know they she helped the Democrats come up with their genocidal plan and unfortunately I, I think it's like a mass form of Stockholm syndrome amongst blacks where they just don't see that in abortions or in, in Queens the highest abortion rate in Queens I believe in South Jamaica which has the highest concentration of of Blacks in the borough. And it's sad, but, you you know, we have a lot of Blacks in my district as well. Um, But, you know, it doesn't stop there. Uh, What they're doing now to the young— they think they've conquered Blacks and Hispanics and other minorities. So what they're doing now is they're moving on to the young white male populace. And if they can imbue the young white male populace with self-hatred and gender identity confusion— If you think about that, they wipe out about 74 percent, maybe 70 percent of the fighting age male population. So it's a really malicious process and it's well thought out. I think it has global implications because socialism is a global ill and, and you have the global socialists that have infested the Democrat Party. Not, not that they had to work hard to do that. In, in the mid-50s, the uh, Communist Party USA, and there's no, no distinction between a socialist and communist, just the, the way they push the platform. But um, the, the head of the Communist Party USA said that we'll never have to run a candidate. The Democrats will do it for us. And unfortunately, Johnson was able to convince a lot of blacks that the Democrat Party was the party of civil rights when up until that point, every piece of civil rights legislation had been crafted um, by Republicans and pushed forth by Republicans and fought staunchly by Democrats. Now, the problem with uh, yeah I don't this is a family show. I don't want to use the language Johnson used, but he used the N-word. He said, you know, you give me this uh, piece of civil rights legislation and, and we'll have that N-word vote forever it seems to be coming true through fruition because it's hard for blacks not to vote democrat but you know that 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 process affects a lot of other minorities i mean you, you take your ethnic european catholics whether they're irish german italian polish um, you know they're working class people and they're told that the democrat party is the party of the working man and and, uh, the the Soviets said that for years and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, They are the party of enslavement, whether that be through uh, physical bondage, which is no longer profitable or through renovations like they do with Native Americans or housing projects. You know, um, none of those things where the government gives and takes and controls your life is beneficial to you, to us. But if you look at the way they've gone into our education system, they've managed to make fantasy reality. And so when people go to, to research things, what they come up with is that Republicans are bad and they're racist and Democrats are nice and they give you free stuff. And as we know, nothing's ever free. Mm-hmm. So, you know, still a phenomenon that hurts the black community, but they have a different tool set for different ethnicities. And one of the things the socialists were good at is separating people by pedigree. Now, you know, modernly, they do it by gender. Um, and that, that whole thing is sick. But if if you look at the way the Soviet Union went after people by ethnicity, they, they would, uh, divide and conquer because the Soviet Union wasn't one homogenous Russian state. They would go out and they would send the Mongols into white Russia and vice versa, and they would conquer that part of the army had a different ethnic makeup. And so they had no problem with being brutal toward the people that were in that particular region. And um, if they get full control of the United States, they will do that again here.
3: Now let that's me what ask. This is radio, but can you describe your ethnic background for the for the listeners?
6: Yes, for the modern day listener, uh-huh. I am he, uh-huh. him, African American. For those of, for those of us with common sense, I'm a black Catholic heterosexual male, <laughs> and, and that's going to drive them
3: nuts. Now what? Now. You have kids. I mean, for your kids, what, what are the most important issues in, in a city council race in New York?
6: Well, I think one of the big ones is everything boils down to regulatory reform. Um, and I don't, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but until we reform the way our government does business at the city, state, and federal level, where the legislative seeds its power to the executive and allows them to make rules and regulations that never pass constitutional debate on the floor of any chamber, we're always going to have problems. But one of the biggest problems plaguing us right now, besides crime, and that's huge, um, and we should get to that later, but when when we talk about children, if they make it out of the womb and don't get murdered by abortionists and they make it home from school walking the streets or riding the subways. The other thing is that when they're in the classroom, they're being inculcated with ideology that runs afoul of their parents' religious beliefs and values, and it's detrimental to their health. I mean, in New York is sure to follow what New Jersey is doing. They, The, the, the state attorney general and the governor are suing Local school districts, I, w- I wish we had these kind of school districts here in New York, we don't, that say if a child wants to change his gender, they have to notify the parents. New York City is the exact opposite. They want to do the exact opposite. So, you know, you have this thing where they take our money and they fund abortion. They also take our money and they fund story time with a drag queen in public libraries. Um, and and I, I would imagine that stuff is going to kind of, it's grooming. It's grooming children. Of pedophilia, whether it be homosexual or heterosexual, it's got to stop. So that, that's a huge problem. And, and the way we cure that is that we change the structure of the Board of Education so that you have the Board of Education on the ballot, on the, on the Board of Elections ballot, the same as city council candidates, and you have a Board of Education in each borough. But also, you let the money follow the child. We spend $26,000 a year to educate children, They can't read, write, do arithmetic, or know their civics. They don't know their basic rights. If we take that money and let that money follow the child, whether it be homeschooling, charter schools, vouchers, or even in in a public school, but let the money follow the child, the parents make choices, and the teachers have to teach. They have to become competitive, and you cut out the middleman, the UFT, and take away their power base. The UFT, they're sick. Um, what's her name, Randy Weingarten, she's behind all this gender identity stuff in our schools, and and she wanted the kids to stay home um, instead of going to school because, you know, she could give her people a perk to to generate revenue and dues money, but that, that has nothing to do with protecting our children. And children were being psychologically abused in schools, and we didn't know about it until COVID. So if there was anything good that came out of COVID, it was a realization that, um, they're brainwashing our kids toward their own detriment. And that's how, you know, that's how you have young women like Julie Wan, who came up in the, in the school system and, uh, went to college and, and, and was brainwashed against the country. It's given her so much. And again, I have nothing against this young lady, but she's just so misguided in all of her policies. So I think the, the biggest threat to our children right now is the miseducation because they'll make, bad decisions as adults and they'll be misled and they'll give up all their freedom
3: now i know a lot of our clients are senior citizens and i can tell you right now the one thing that's on their mind probably more than anything else is crime and the city council doesn't seem to put any pressure to you know to to reform bail or to do anything and and you know, it seems like the city council, except for maybe about eight or nine people, is totally off in left field without a glove.
6: Well, it, you know, what it is, is that they're, they're Democrat socialists. And they want to increase the misery index so that they can control people. They want folks afraid and dependent on them. But, you know, I, with Cassius Bell, I, I talked to the practitioners. The last uh, 108 precinct council meeting I asked the acting commander for the 108, you know, what do you need? And he told me, more funds and more officers, which we all know that, but I figured I'd ask him. Now, my opponent, Julie Wan, um, you know, she says, oh, I'm not like the radicals, um, like Tiffany Caban. But she is, because she voted, not only did she vote to defund the police department, she voted to shrink the class size so that you reduce the manpower. So if you think about it, that's akin to the abortion program. I have something I don't like, I eliminated it at the beginning. Um, you know, so that, that's that's how they go about creating the fear. Um, but there's, you know, the, the public safety issue is a lot broader than, than just um, the crime that's running rampant. And we, you and I know, as military policemen, order maintenance is the key, but when you go out and you make an arrest and you make a good arrest, They have to be held. They they have to be held on bail, and and they have to be segregated from the population that they abuse. Rikers Island is the perfect place for that, and they want to close that and probably make luxury apartments. But the public safety issue goes well beyond the physical crime. That's what everybody sees, and that's what everybody's afraid of. But, you know, you have things like asbestos in NYCHA housing. You have catch basins that are not being cleaned out. Now, we just recently had a storm almost two years ago that killed a lot of people in these illegal uh, basements. The city council, along with my opponent, has done nothing to correct that. So if we have another storm, we're going to lose more people. That's a public safety issue. The 39th Avenue bike lane fiasco, um, you know, they rerouted the bike lane. fire department testified before the community board and said, don't do this because you'll increase my response time. They did it anyways. People are up in arms about that because the traffic pattern they created all to appease the bike lane people that donate money along with the UFT to my opponent is driving people nuts because the pattern is crazy, but it's also dangerous. Um, you have your sidewalk cafes. They're huge rat harborages. And we talked about Rikers Island, um, but, you, you know, you have the mentally ill, a, a former coworker of mine, Nina Rothschild, from the Department of Health was leaving the agency headquarters in Long Island City, and she was attacked with a hammer um, because cashless bail lets mentally ill people out to fester, and it, it's really a form of abuse for them because they're exposed to the elements. But what they should have are special units and special officers in Rikers Island that can deal with these kind of people, so that when they commit the crimes, you can't you can't prosecute vagrancy. I get it, but all the crimes associated with it murder rate, robbery, um, assault, public defamation, public urination, all those things have to be prosecuted. And then you now you have a reason to intervene. You bring the person in and you segregate them and you give them the mental health care that they need. You make it compulsory after an adjudicated process. But these people, they don't think about none of that. And to to make it worse, they're taking away our right to self-defense. If you look at uh, uh, former Marine, Mr. Pettyman, Um, You know, now that they've taken away the police department's ability to go out and proactively prevent crime, now they are taking away our own self-defense. He was, by common law, he was well within his right. He didn't choke the guy. What he did was he put on a restraint, the same type of restraint that you and I were taught in MP school. I'd rather see a citizen or an officer put a restraint on someone. And unfortunately, yes, the guy lost consciousness and he passed away because he wasn't in the best of health. And, and, you know, he was combative. But I'd rather see a restraint applied than to have officers have no choice but to start punching people in the face, which is, I see a lot of that. I'm surprised it's not being raised. But then what what choice do they have? Panther Leone was a, a small guy against a giant, and he applied a restraint, which they called a chokehold, and, you know, they, t- they took that away from the police. So now, instead of order maintenance instead of subduing a subduing sub- subject, now you have to escalate the deadly force. And, and, and so that that's wrong. And that brings me to uh, qualified immunity, They're taking that away from cops and citizens. You know, my opponent, she didn't say anything when, when Nina Rothschild was hitting the head with, with a hammer, but if an Asian or another ethnic minority is attacked or assaulted, she'll make a racial issue out of it. Well, you know, I work with groups like Asian American Cohesion and the Guardian Angels, and along with qualified immunity for NYPD, I would give them some form of qualified immunity because they actually go out into the communities and they help to patrol their areas to to make the streets safe where the police, you know, to supplement the police where there's gaps. Um, The other thing is she also voted to take away the intelligence that NYPD gathered on known criminals. So, you know, what that does is that makes life harder and more dangerous for police officers and they're going to have to go back out into the street one day when we return to common sense and good order and discipline. And they're going to have to regain that intelligence that Julie Wan and Tiffany Caban and the rest of the socialists took away from the police department. and They made the police department expunge records of known criminals. And there's also a bill up in Albany to, to reinforce that. But what that's going to cause is the, one, one day when, when the city regains sanity, Police are going to have to go back out into the street, gather that intelligence, and proactively enforce the law and bring some order maintenance. And that's going to create violent confrontation because the thug is not just going to give, he's not going to see the territory that he's taken already.
3: Now we're running out of time, Marvin. But can you, you you know, know, to wrap it up, can you give us your website and where people can learn more about your campaign?
6: Absolutely. They can visit me at marvinjeffcoat.net, marvinjeffcoat.net. And any donation from 10 to to $1,000 would help us to get the word out and defeat Julie Wan, the City Bike folks, and the UFT that
3: want to bring pain and misery to our neighborhood. Marvinjeffcoat.net. Thanks, Mike. Marvin Jeffcoat, keep it up. Thanks for being on the show.
6: Thank you.
0: Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do with Saint Francis in Beirut? We can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for. Because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But
3: if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they're recognized, that we love them,
0: they are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So Saint Francis in Beirut,
3: it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to Saint Francis in Beirut, two one three Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, now accompanied by my son, Michael.
5: Hello, everyone.
3: Now, remember, this is an election year, so uh, let's get out and vote. Every election is important. I mean, local elections, you know, a lot of our, you know, like Chuck Sumer started as a city councilman, so his first election was important. May not agree with it in the long run, but that's what happens. You know, the the congressmen and the congresswomen and the. Senators usually start off as winning local elections, so local elections are important.
5: And, you know, even if, even if the legislation is an uphill battle, it can make a huge difference if you have someone in your representing your community who actually cares about your interests, you know? So, yeah, maybe legislatively the city is a, almost a lost cause, but still having a councilman on your side make, can make all the difference.
3: And I've known Marvin Cote a long time, and I really admire him for running to fight the fight you know, he, he could do more comfortable life. Guy served in the military over 20 years. Um, he would make a great representative for that part of Queens. Meanwhile, though, if you have questions about estate planning and elder law, don't forget you can schedule an appointment with us at Connors and Sullivan. We do not charge for the first consultation. The first consultation is free. Everything we do as far as estate planning and elder laws on a flat fee basis. We charge by the job, not by the hour. So if you come in where you want to work on a plan, I'll give you my recommendations based on my experience, and then you take it from there. You know how much it would cost and what you want to do or not do. You tell me your financial situation, your family situation, what you want to accomplish, and then we go for there. Meanwhile, we'll be back hopefully next week at the same time and places, and
5: you know, if you want to email us a question, you can shoot it over to askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Connors spelled C O N N O R S.
3: And we'll see you at the same time and places next week. Thank you.
5: Thanks so much for joining us. We're gathered here, here on Hallowed Ground.
0: raised,
1: heads bowed down. We're gathered here on Hallowed Ground to sing this
2: song away. Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors & Sullivan's Lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors and Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC